has had to endure throughout his life. And I've said it each time that I've preached this uh, series, and I'll say it again, looking at the life of Joseph and really looking at a lot of the lives in the Bible, our problems and our insecurities and our shortcomings and our struggles are nothing compared to what some of the guys and some of the women in the Bible went through. And... But what we've looked at, we've been able to look at the life of Joseph and see what it is that we can glean from his life to endure in our own lives. Because here's the thing, sometimes we expect this miraculous transformation of our problems. And a lot of, a lot of theology that goes around now, a lot of preachers will get up and tell you that all things are just going to work out for, it, for all good. And, and that is, it is the case that things will eventually work out for good. But in the meantime, when things, when we're in the middle of it, things get a little difficult. And we, when we left Joseph, he was in a pit and then he had gone from the pit to being sold into slavery. And so when you don't, when you think things can get worse, don't ever say that because there's something that can happen There's things that can fall into place that make things even worse. But if you look at our theme verse for this series, he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And so we don't have to worry about the here and now, although it's tough to say that and it's tough to get past the here and now because in the end, we will be saved if we endure. So Genesis 39 is where I'm going to be today. We're going to start with verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessings of the Lord was all on that hand in his house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. An odd thing to throw in there at the end of that verse, but we'll get to that in just a minute. And I'm getting a little feedback up here, I think. uh, Might be an EQ thing. I I don't know where it's coming from. But not only was Joseph sold into slavery, but he was then sold again. That should put a face on human trafficking. Now, I don't talk about current social issues very much, 
But there is one thing that is affecting millions and millions of people today on this earth, and that is human trafficking and slavery. And there are, there are young ladies and young men who are taken from their homes, they are kidnapped from their families, and they are sold into an entire underground network of slavery. And they live their entire lives in that slavery. And that's just something that we need to be praying about, church. That's something that we need to make sure that we keep in the forefront of our mind. Because once again, you know, the, the issues that we face, I had a bad day because my coffee tasted a little burnt. And uh, then all of a sudden we look at these other situations and we see it could be so much worse. But you know, Joseph, he could have sulked. He could have thrown himself the pity party to end all pity parties. Because if there was ever somebody who had a right to a pity party, it was Joseph. So many things had happened in his life. He was in slavery in the middle of captivity. But you know what? He didn't do that. He didn't get down on himself. He didn't say, woe is me and uh, woe is you and everything else is, is all horrible and awful. He never forgot. Go back to verse 2 there. Something very important that we all, this, all the time we really forget sometimes, and that is the Lord was with Joseph. Isn't it good to know that even in the worst situation that you've ever been in, even in the deepest pit, even in the darkest den of slavery, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what has happened, the Lord is with you, church. He is with you today, and He will not leave your side. You may feel like He's far away, but the Lord is with you no matter what the situation if you know Christ, He is with you. You may, you may feel bound up. You may feel trapped by a problem. But He is with us. And He will allow us to prosper even in difficult situations. And you know, that's how people see the light of Christ. You know what? People don't want to see your witness when everything is all peachy. They don't want to see you be happy in Christ when everything is going well in your life. They want to see that when literally all hell breaks loose over your life, they want to see that there's something different inside of you that makes you praise God even though the situation doesn't warrant praise. They want to see that you come together and that you unify with other believers in even the toughest of times. That's how we make a difference. Think about it. If things are going perfect... And you can glorify God, that's, that doesn't take any effort. But when things are falling apart, when everything's a mess, and we're thrown into the middle of the worst situation of our life, but yet we still glorify God, we endure, people notice that. Potiphar noticed that about Joseph. He noticed that Joseph didn't let his situation get him down. Everything he touched turned to prosper. And he noticed this about this guy. Something's different. Something's going on with this man. If we are faithful to praise God, there will be favor that falls on our lives. And something else that really impresses me about Joseph. He doesn't... And, and again, we, we can look at his life and think, Oh man, he, he should have just skated by. Done the bare minimum. Stay out of the master's way and just done the bare minimum because he's so mad and upset about what he does. He still does everything he can to the best of his ability. He does not let his situation 
determine his efforts. Like I said, he could have moped. He could have set the bar for himself really low. You know, this isn't fair. How many times have we said that? Life isn't fair. I was dad's favorite. I should be at home playing Xbox in my beautiful coat and my brothers being out in the field doing all the work, but now I am a slave. I even had a dream that my brothers were going to bow down to me and worship me, and now I am a slave to somebody else. But he, he decided to not just skate by. He brought his best. So let me tell you this. We can endure because the Lord is with us, but we can also endure by doing our best even in an unfair situation. Now, that's not good to hear. We don't like hearing that because when we think the boss is picking on us at work, they're, they're piling a little too much work on us. You know what? If he expects too much of me, I'm going to do it to the very best of my ability and I'm going to do the best work in that office. If life just seems to be a little harder for me than it does for other people, I am still going to give it 110%. I will overcome the odds and I will excel no matter what has come against me. That is how we endure the situation. Because of Joseph's attitude, he was elevated above all of the other servants. He would leave home, Potiphar would leave home and leave Joseph in charge. So you're, you're going from the pit to the penthouse. Amen? He found success in his slavery. Things are really turning around. You know what? I've had to endure. This wasn't fair, this situation that came over me. It's finally my turn to see some blessing to see some return on my investment. Maybe you're sitting here today thinking, well, I hope that's me. I claim that in Jesus' name. Oh, it's been so hard. My life is a mess. I'm tired of being trampled on. I'm ready for promotion. I'm ready for favor. Amen, anybody? No? Okay. I was just wondering. No? (laughs) Yes, Lord. Bless me. Notice what Joseph did, though, before the blessing came. See, we ask for the blessing and we ask for the favor. And Joseph knew that he had a big plan on his life. But what happened to him? He learned how to be a servant. We might be enduring some things in our life right now because God is trying to teach us what we need to know to be successful at the next stage. You know, uh, when Jesus was on the earth, What did he teach about leadership? Leadership is servanthood. Being a good leader begins by being a good servant. To be an effective leader, you must be an effective servant. God had given Joseph these dreams that he was going to be leader, that that people were going to bow down to him, that they were going to come from all over, and that they were going to basically worship him. But before he could be thrown into a leadership position... He had to know what it meant to serve. And so maybe if we start looking at our situation as devastation, instead of devastation, we look at it as God preparing us for a next level type anointing because God won't call us something to something He's not equipped us for. He will not call you to something He's not equipped you for. Because how many know a difficult situation that you're in the divine knowledge to get through that difficult situation is not divinely imparted on us. He doesn't just 
zap some knowledge into us when we come across a difficult situation. We are put in difficult situations so that we learn from our mistakes and then the next time we have a difficult situation, we know how to handle it just a little bit better. We must go through some things to learn some things. In Joseph's case, he had to endure servanthood to learn leadership. Maybe you're struggling with financial struggles right now because God is trying to teach you and prepare you for a financial blessing. Maybe you're enduring some tough relationships right now because God is getting ready to show you true love and true relationship, true friendship in other places. What if we started looking at our tough situation that we're in and instead of thinking about this, this is a no, no win, horrible, no escape devastation, maybe it's so that we are prepared for promotion. Let me be real with you just for a second though. God's not going to throw a big promotion. Well, let's, let's say you are asking God for a promotion at work. You need some more money. But how many know that most of the time at your job, if you get a promotion and more money, that means more responsibility. God is not going to throw more responsibility your way until we effectively uh, can deal with people. <laughs> he's not just going to throw something at us that we're not prepared for. How many know that he's not going to throw financial blessing at us until we can take care of the finances that we do have? That's not fun to hear. If you're struggling financially, if God blesses you with something, I promise you this, you're going to still struggle financially. I've, I like to spend money. And uh, it's taken me a lot longer than it should have to learn that you don't spend money that you don't have. But hey, you got to learn sometime. Or what about this one? He's not going to pour out possession on, on, over possession on, on top of us if it's going to detract us from what God wants us to do in our life. If it's going to be one big distraction, then he is not going to pour it out. We want, 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 but God says, wait, wait, wait. Are you sure that you're ready? Are you truly ready for what you want? Because what you want means that you have to be, maybe go through some things. But switch gears a little bit. Let's look at the last phrase uh, of verse 6. Throw verse 6 back up there. Wrong verse 6. There, oh, almost, there we go. The last sentence there. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Why does that matter? Well, let's just say, and what does that mean, handsome in form and appearance? Dude was jacked, all right? If he, if he washed his clothes, he washed it in gains. <laughs> That's terrible, I know. He was looking for a veterinarian because his pythons were sick, all right? And not only was this man swole, he was handsome. Listen, you all think that life is just easy for us pretty people. If we, if we have a pretty face, you just automatically assume that life is just a lot easier. But I tell you this, and, and, and if you look at Joseph's life on the surface level, things are finally starting to fall in place for him. Things are really starting to stack up, you know? Hey, this, this servanthood, it's, it's getting me a little buff. You know, I can work without my shirt on and not feel insecure. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good looking. I can, I can start 
they're, they're giving me more and more responsibility. I'm in charge of everything around the house. You know what? Things are finally turning in my favor. There always has to be a hiccup, right? I wouldn't be building it up if, if it weren't the case. And many of you probably have read this story a hundred times maybe or more. And you know what's coming. But the reason that we have taken our time is because what we forget to do is if we read this story too many times, we really forget to put ourselves in that situation, to insert ourselves in the ups and downs, the highs and the lows of Joseph's life and see that he is not much different than me and you because we can be riding high and then we can fall off the cliff in the next breath because we can certainly relate. Things start getting rough. They start looking up only to have something else happen. And in this case, something else that happened was Potiphar's wife. She thought Joseph was hot stuff, right? She thinks he's good looking. Now, I don't know. I, I, can't, figure, I can't figure this out with, with the youngins anymore, the, the young whippersnappers. Y'all just, uh, I, I'm around all of these college students. And when, when, you, when you guys are dating, it's so weird because in my day, I mean, and that's not been too long ago, but you, if you liked somebody, you started dating. Uh, they instituted this weird phase before that, then after that called talking. You know, when you're, when you, all it is is it's a really awkward time when you don't really know what you are. And now there's even, it seems to be a pre-talking. And hey, listen, I'm up on this. I know, I, I talk to college students. I have them all the time. And basically, that's just where you like a whole bunch of tweets and Instagram pictures and send each other texts. And it's just, it seems like it keeps devolving. Relationships keep devolving into this just blob where you don't ever know what you are. And that's, that's fun, right? Yeah. Woo-hoo. I'm glad I'm married. Thank you, Lord, for my wife. Thank you. <laughs> but that's beside the point. Because she's a married woman. Right? But she's not exactly subtle. She's not trying to get in a talking phase with Joseph. And in Scripture, if you look at it, I don't, I don't know how this works. It says she cast her longing eyes at him. How does that work? You know, if you, you have longing eyes, you look at somebody and bat your eyes. If you cast them, you do this. <laughs> cast my longing eyes at you. That had to win him over. I mean, she just walks into the room and lie with me, Joseph. Man, how direct is she? I mean, she was not even trying to beat around the bush. She said, lie with me. Definitely not sending any mixed signals his way. You know, he says, absolutely not. That would be a sin against me a sin against Potiphar, a sin against you, and a sin against God. I cannot do that. No way, no how. She doesn't give up that easily, though. You know, and I kind of figure in those times that it's probably pretty commonplace for the masters of the house if they lay eyes on a servant that they like, that they will make advances towards them. And they're probably not used to being told no. Man or woman, it doesn't matter. They're not being used to told no. And so, 
He's in the house later on, and they're home alone together. And once again, there is no casting of the longing eyes this time. She reaches out and grabs him by the shirt and says, lie with me. And I can just imagine this dude, he's grabbed by the shirt and he's just wrestling out of his shirt. And he runs in the opposite direction, leaving her holding his shirt. Now, we go into such great detail painting a picture of what this is like because each and every one of us in our life are going to have to endure some temptation. We've talked about the pit. We've talked about bondage. We've talked about obviously bad situations. But we also must talk about the subtle attacks of the enemy as well as that good old flesh that tries to rise up within us all the time, all day, every day. Steve spoke last Sunday night. It was awesome, by the way. You did incredible. He talked about the traps that the enemy will lay for us. And you better believe that he has had thousands of years of experience and that the traps that he lays for me and you, they are well set and they are specifically formulated for us as individuals to accomplish one purpose and one purpose alone, and that is to make us stumble and to make us fall. How do we endure temptation? Joseph gives us some great pieces of advice, some steps to follow. And I want to throw this out there too. Not all temptation is sexual in nature. You know, that's, that's what everybody's mind obviously goes for, goes towards. When you talk about temptation, you talk about <coughs> sexual temptation. Excuse me. That's the biggie. That's the big sin that we like to highlight, the church likes to point out. But temptation comes in all shapes and all sizes. We're tempted to be angry. <laughs> Amen. We can be tempted to be impatient. Oh, we can be tempted to be greedy. We can be tempted to be gluttonous or slothful. And I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> but you get the idea. There are all types of temptations. All of them tempt us to do certain things. Experiencing temptation is not a sin. It's not. Jesus experienced temptation. And b- believe me, if you think that you're not going to be tempted, if, if the devil will tempt, tempt God himself... He will tempt you. He will tempt me. So believe me when I say that there will be temptation that comes our way. But what we have to do is we have to follow Joseph's lead. And the the first thing that he did was he did not allow even a single solitary sliver of a foothold to let temptation in his life. She says, my husband's not home. He'll never know. You know what Joseph's thinking? I don't know. And when we give in to temptation, when we give in to sin, nobody might be around to see the result, but we will carry that with us, that guilt and that hurt. We carry it around with us, and we have to live with that knowing that we failed. He shut it down right away. You know, we like to let temptation linger. We get in an argument with somebody, somebody makes us mad. Ooh. I'm telling you what, I'm going to say this and this and that to them. If I see them again, now this is what I'm going to say. That finger starts going, the head 
starts matching it. <coughs> don't even act like y'all don't do that. You, you practice your arguments in the mirror. We, we just look for opportunities to be angry with each other. <coughs> we don't even need to give it a chance to manifest itself. Now, Joseph does mess up. He does. He lets the sin get a foothold. I'm sorry, the temptation get a foothold. Now, he doesn't know it. He, he doesn't do it knowingly. He walks into the house, and it's just her and him in there. And he lets... There, there, there's an opportunity that leaves them alone. But even then, he flees from it. You know, so many times... What we do is we try to stand and we try to fight temptation. We try to stand up against it. We try to hold our ground against it. When God says, flee from temptation, don't even stay in the same room. If you have to wrestle yourself out of your shirt to get out of the room, get out of the situation that's causing you temptation. You know, he's wiggling like a madman to get free from her grasp. And again, he, lets, he gives temptation just a small sliver of hope, a small sliver of daylight, and it kicks the door in, trying to take him down. But he does not give in. You know what? What we have to do is we have to run in the opposite direction. If you're tempted to look at porn, put your phone down and run into the other room, get on your knees and start praying to God. If you're in a situation where you know you're going to lose it on somebody, if you're in an argument where you're getting ready to get angry and fly red, then run in the opposite direction. <laughs> that might actually escalate the other person thinking, well, this one's just going to run away from me. But I tell you this, we do not need to stay in a situation where no good can come from. If you and your boyfriend or girlfriend and you're alone, things are getting a little too hot and heavy. And then even if you've got to leave one of them with a the shirt in their hand, you've got to get out of that room, you've got to flee from it, you've got to run from it because temptation cannot win. Jesus used Scripture to overcome temptation. That's a good one, too. You know what? If you make, I'll tell you this. Make a note in your phone or, or post these Scriptures on your mirror at home. Here's some of them, and I want to read them. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then walk in the Spirit and you, will not, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. <clears throat> James 4.7 Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hebrews 2.18 says, For what is for in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are being tempted. If you want those scriptures, after church, holler at me and I'll give them to you. But I tell you this, there's a website, it's called openbible.info. And what you can do is you can do keyword topical searches. And I got on there last night and I, I typed that in. You know what, every one of those scriptures popped up. Because what we have to realize is that we cannot fight temptation all by ourselves. What we need to do is we got to separate ourselves from it, and then we got to let God do the battling. We got to let God do the fixing. We just read the scripture, we submit ourselves to God, 
we resist the devil and he will flee. If we run away from the situation, we can start proclaiming those verses over our lives. And I'd like to be able to stand up here and tell you that because Joseph was faithful, resisted temptation, that he rose above it, things got even better for him, situation continued to improve, and things kept looking up. That's not what happened. Potiphar's wife, she didn't like the fact that he had resisted her twice. And so he lied on Joseph. He took the shirt that he left, and she took it to her husband and said, Potiphar, Joseph, your trusted servant, the one who has gained your trust, all he was doing for, all he was doing that for was to try and rape me. He came in my room. I was able to scream, and he left his shirt and ran off. And the piece of clothing that he desperately wrestled out of to resist temptation was the piece of evidence that doomed him to prison. And so he goes from the pit to slavery to the upswing to prison. And what we'll do is next week we will pick up his story. But man, oh man, things start looking up, but then we're blindsided. Maybe you're sitting here thinking today, I've never had an interest in serving God or knowing Jesus on a deeper level. Basically, for that reason right there. Joseph was faithful. He did everything that God asked him to do. And how does God repay him? By throwing him in prison. Why, if God is so loving, does he let such bad things happen to good people? He's not abandoning. He's equipping. And our faithfulness in tough times is much stronger than faithfulness in good times. It's a much stronger witness. If you don't know Him as Lord and Savior today, you are giving in to the strongest temptation there is. The enemy is telling you that you don't need God. That you're better off by yourself. But I'm here to tell you today that we are all imperfect. Jesus is the perfection that bridges the gap between us and God. The Bible says that wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life.